Hi, my name is Adam, and I've never seen Basic Instinct. I don't know why I said it like that, but I kind of wanted to. It seems like it fits the bill. another episode of Find All Watch This. My name is Johnny. I'm Bridget. And we are joined by Adam to finish out Noir November. Uh, we are moving up to the end of maybe this era. Uh, arguably, there's not a lot of movies after this. Well, there's some that sort of touch the neo-noir uh, genre. This week, we're looking at 1992's Basic Instinct, starring... Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Okay, I just... Jim Basinger. <laughs> I didn't want to get into spoilers or like starring... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I'm, a, I'm aware of those two, <laughs> yeah. Michael Douglas and Kim Basinger. They're on the poster with their name above the poster, so... I am aware of those uh, two. Uh, no, uh, no not, not Kim Basinger. Uh, it is Kim Basinger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, really? What? No, it's Sharon Stone. It's Sharon yes. Stone. Different icy blonde of the yes. 90s. And we'll get to the ice later on. But. Yeah. <laughs> Icy. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, not only is this a noir, but this is also, I think, this is the first, like, erotic thriller that we're touching on. This is a yeah. big genre that came about in the 80s and 90s, mostly in part to a lot of big rental stores pushing out the pornography out of their stores. And they needed an excuse to inject some of that into bigger brand movies. So you had a lot of these, uh, basically a blend of noir, thriller, with romance, and basically softcore porn. Mm. So you have like movies like this with Paul Verhoeven doing this one, also directing one of years later, Showgirls, mm-hmm. which also falls into that category. Not so much noir, but definitely erotic. It's not noir in this life. It's not. <laughs> and then we have Michael Douglas, who also, I, he's also familiar with this genre at this point in his career, where he has been in Fatal Attraction, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, have you seen Fatal Attraction, Adam? I have not. All right, we'll have to throw that on the list. Yep. It's definitely, uh, a, it's great. It's, yeah. when I think of like late 80s sort of thriller shit like that's it's got a it's cool. fatal attraction we'll save it for softcore september next year <laughs> <laughs> so it's gotta be <laughs> do you say september yeah. okay <laughs> give me a little time yeah. <laughs> put some other things on the list right <laughs> right but i guess we'll just go real quick what do you know about it outside of what i just said what are you sort of expecting i know one thing about it and it's the thing that everybody knows about it it's the interrogation scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I know it. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, I know it ruined a lot of VHS tapes from yes. the constant rewinding, play, rewind, pause, rewind, pause, play. I, I get it. Yeah. I, I'm aware of that, and that's the only thing that I uh, if, am If aware those of. kids back then even knew the clarity of DVD and Blu-ray these days. Oh, my God. <laughs> 4K make their head explode. Yeah. <laughs> I do plan to pause the movie during that scene, See? just as an homage to all of the people that have watched it before us. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just be like, aha, it's one button this time, and I don't have to worry about rewinding it. I can just go back a little bit. And <laughs> there's a 10-second back button that I can automatically press, and it'll do it for me. Um, but yeah, that's it. It's just the one interrogation scene. 
that, of course, is everywhere. It's been aped a million times. I'm sure the 1993 MTV Movie Awards did a bit about it. And every, you know, every movie that has any kind of spoof DNA in it has done something like this. I'm trying to, I think it's in a scary movie at one point. You know, it's just, right. it's permeated popular culture in only that aspect of it and no other uh, aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there might be a couple we'll talk about later on, but... Yeah, I'm that, sure. Yeah, yeah, things, yeah, But that, in terms of, if someone says basic instinct that it's that, and it will only ever be that, even probably after I've watched this movie, it'll just be that. Now, as far as, like, Michael Douglas, what's your familiarity with his filmography? Uh, he's my mom's favorite actor. Aww. Okay. Uh, I have not seen a lot of his movies. <laughs> Unfortunately. I hope because uh, she wasn't a fan of Basic Instinct and Fatal Attraction and all that shit. No, she loves the American president. Uh, okay. It's like her her go-to, which I hear is very good. And I think I've it seen good. most of it just like from being on TV and like being around it and Sorkin and yeah. all that stuff. But in terms of Michael Douglas's filmography, uh, he's great in the Ant-Man movies, as uh, as everybody okay, knows. Yeah, I figured that was probably Most well-known for, obviously. Of course, yeah. Um... No, but I, I mean, I've seen a, a handful of things. I've seen Wall Street. You have, okay. Both of them. The second one not being very good. I mean, his heyday is what? The the 80s? It's the 80s, 80s yeah. 80s early, the early 90s. 90s, yeah. Yeah, so I never saw Romancing the Stone or Jewel of the Nile, which That's I do really want to see because I just watched like one of those. It's like, on the list because I haven't seen it either, so. Yeah. And, and I that's just probably watched... why your mom fell in love with the dude was Romancing <laughs> the Stone. Yeah. It's a great movie. So underrated. And I just watched one of those, like, making of Back to the Future things where they're talking about how, like, that was Zemeckis's big break. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do really want to see that. I hear he's very good in it. Oh, I've seen Falling Down. Okay, right. Where he's very good in that and playing kind of against type. But, yeah, I think that's kind of it in terms of what I know. He's in less things than I thought. Like, for as big a name of an actor as he is, like, his... His filmography as actor is only 67 credits, which seems low for someone with that name value and name recognition. What about you guys? What are some of your favorite Michael Douglas-y roles? Um, Well, we'll just – I want to jump quick to Bridget just what her her, uh, her history was sort of basic Mm -hmm. instinct, and then we'll just kind of wrap around back to that. Um, I've only seen this movie once, but I enjoy it as a part of the erotic thriller movement if you will of the late 80s early 90s i miss movies like this i feel like movies that are made for adults don't get made anymore and so for that reason i have a lot of affection for it also because it ends up being sharon stone's like big breakout role right we have this movie to thank for everything she does later in casino so big fan for that reason but what what made you just pick up to watch it to begin with i'm just curious um i think was it a recommendation or... No, I think I just saw it was available someplace and I was like, oh yeah, this movie. I've never seen it. Let me watch it. Although I can say, I think my French teacher in high school, I remember her telling us a story that she went to go see this movie when it came out with her future mother-in-law. <laughs> like they, She didn't really... Neither of them knew what it was about. It was just like, well, we keep hearing things about this movie. Let's go see it. And she said it was the most horrifying like, out-of-body <laughs> embarrassing experience of her life okay that tracks. and i remember hearing that as a 15 year old and being like i gotta see this movie <laughs> so probably like when it was on netflix years later i was like madame and like <laughs> she just like threw it on but i had to think of like a, a, a 
a flashpoint of what inspired me to watch this movie. It was a secondhand embarrassment for my French teacher. And just gotcha. I, any excuse to watch Sharon Stone in great outfits. I well, she's not in a lot of down. outfits in this one, but we'll get to Even that too. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> no, sounds all right by me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the first time I saw this. I'm not even sure if it was because of the reason that Adam says. I'm not sure if I was ever in that. Like, I was maybe just beyond that. Like, oh, like my buddy already had like old Playboys or whatever. I didn't need to like source my flesh from a couple of seconds on a VHS tape. Like, I just had like other sort other means to get yeah. to where I wanted with that. Um, but yeah. This movie is just so trashy and sleazy and steamy. And <laughs> it just, it's its a total, it just, I love this movie because yeah. I don't know. It just, it oozes atmosphere and it touches on some of those things I love about noir. It's a total love letter to the genre mm-hmm. for forever how you look at it, depending on, again, your yeah. your family. You said, who saw you? Your mother or your, your aunt? French teacher. Your French teacher, My I'm French sorry. Teacher. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so some people can be horrified by this movie, yeah. but if you get sort of past the sort of soft core elements of this, it's oh, I love it. And you're and there's a few things that you've been hoping for from these other noirs that we miss out on that are in here. Okay, good. So I think you'll have some of the tip the takeaway from it. But yeah, I it's not like one I'm like, oh I watch it once a year. I've probably only seen it like three times fully but i probably saw it as recently as like a couple years ago a few years ago gotcha um i always feel like it's on some sort of streaming service it just bounces from one to the other i think it's on disney plus now (laughs) 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 um but yeah it's it's, because you watched frozen Frozen, (laughs) yeah yeah. here's something even icier um but uh yeah there's oh it always seems to be free for whatever reason but yeah i don't know i i I really dig it sharon stone obviously is a blast to watch and the stuff that she that she's in very just magnetic uh screen presence but as far as what you're talking about earlier adam as far as i I was at kirk douglas the other douglas yeah um yeah wall street this fatal attraction I haven't seen the Ant Man's. I haven't gotten that far. Modern to Fate, whatever Phase Three, Two, whatever. Yeah. Two. Um. But yeah, and then I just remember like the jokes later on, like where because he started to date like Kathy Zeta Jones and the age difference and yeah, like that she's gonna be like changing his diaper and just like this whole the whole all the jokes about him just like dying thirty years before she even is close to doing so. Were like jokes that like were in SNL and yeah. like Family Guy and South Park or whatever. Yeah, and like jokes about how he got throat cancer and like. Yeah, that. correct. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're right. It, he does for all these movies that he's been in or lack of. He's it's a very popular household name because yeah. of movies like Fatal Attraction, because of movies like this. Again, being in those adult movies, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I'll bounce right back to you, Bridget. Love romancing the stone. Okay, I just. I think Michael Douglas is such a good actor to look at when you're looking at, you know, like the man of the 80s in a lot of ways. Right. I don't know. You know, you have Cary Grant for, you know, the 40s and 50s and I guess into the 60s too, even a little bit. And 
Paul Newman, you know, you have these stars that are very yeah, emblematic of their yeah. time period, and you know, I think Michael Douglas. It's like is that yeah, it's like Michael Douglas era. and like Harrison Ford mm-hmm. and your Clooney's and Pitts in the nineties. Correct, yeah. yeah. It's funny, like, I'm, for some reason I'm just imagining, and I know they didn't do this back then, but, like, in yearbooks where they have, like, the popular culture collage, yeah. I just see Michael Douglas in there in, like, 1989, <laughs> just in the back. <laughs> yeah, that and, um, what's-her-name's perm and Fatal Attraction. Oh, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that he had such success as a leading man, but I guess he does well in roles like this one, because there is an undercurrent of sliminess to him that I can't shake. It works for roles like this, mm. but yeah, he's always kind of edge there. That yeah, he's always playing like hard characters, anti-hero characters, people who are you know even frail a lot of the times. Where the secondary characters or second bill characters, like a Sharon Stone. And I don't want to get too much into it, but they just are trumping them left and right as far as power and things like that and dominating scenes. I don't want to get too far into yeah, dominating scenes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he plays really interesting characters, not just like the typical eight, you know, hero that you would see. Mm-hmm. Maybe like Romancing the Stone is maybe like the only and again, I haven't yeah. seen it, but I imagine it's not the Michael Douglas that are in the late eighties. We'll have to yeah, cover okay, that. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to um, be presumptuous. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just think that's, you know, interesting. Like, you know, Gordon Gecko as a character, right? Yeah. Really exemplifies yeah, that. just slime ball. Yuppie, yeah. like, gross 1980s sleaze and Michael Douglas right there. Yeah. Now, as far as, like, the noir genre going into this, we've seen so far Third Man, Double Indemnity, Chinatown, now this. Um, Adam, do you have like any expectations as far as what you saw in the past couple of weeks? Anything you're kind of hoping to see here? What did you sort of really like about the last few weeks? Well, in listening to last week's episode, you kind of tempered my expectations for this a little bit in terms of what it will be, that it's not going to necessarily be that caricature of noir necessarily that I was kind of looking for, where it hit like every single beat of what a noir is supposed to be. So I've kind of tempered my expectations a little bit now, especially as we get further away from the time period that noir is supposed to be. Yeah, the golden age of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or just like even the textbook definition says it's 1944 to 1954, and like that's it. Everything post that is post-noir, neo-noir, future noir, like whatever you want to call it. So I've kind of tempered the expectations a bit there. I still am hoping for some kind of crime and detective-y thing. Uh, I mean, we got that with uh, Chinatown, because that's all about a detective story. So if this is a love letter to that, I'm expecting crimes, especially if it's in that kind of psychosexual thriller vibe as well, that we'll get either a good crime or a good detective who done it around said crime. Uh, I'm hoping for some of that. I don't think, because I don't anticipate this being set in the past, like Chinatown was, that it's, I assume this is a more modern day story, that I'm not going to get that, meh, see, like I'm not going to get any of that 40s vernacular, 40s dialogue right. um, that is so synonymous to me for a noir. So I've kind of put that aside. I'm really just hoping for a good crime story here with the good shadow work and kind of those underlying elements of noir, not necessarily the more forward thinking elements that I had on my on my brain. 
Yeah, you'll definitely get some of that stuff, like the background, like, oh, okay, that's definitely, like, drawing inspiration. There's other things that are, like, deliberately, like, right in front of your face that this is, like, atypical sort of, like, noir element. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk more late in the post about it. But, um, yeah, it does deviate a little bit from it. It is its own thing. It's not, like I said before, it's not just noir. There is, like, a romance element to it. There mm -hmm. is a sort of, there's even a little bit of, like, action elements to it. Like you said, it starts diverging. It's like a spider web. It's moving away. It's becoming its own thing. Mm -hmm. But, Bridget, what about you going into this? I mean, we've pretty much seen all three of these going yeah. in. So, Adam, it's hard to kind of... Yeah. I'm just excited to watch this movie. Yeah, I am yeah. excited to watch this. <laughs> do, you think I'll have, do you think I'll have embarrassment watching it with you guys and you'll get secondhand embarrassment from it? Uh, probably. <laughs> oh, almost certainly. But I think it's going to be worth it. Okay. Yeah. Any last things we want to touch on? No. No, I'm good. I'm ready to go. It's time. All right, Adam, what do you got to say, bud? Fine. I'll watch it. And pause it. <laughs> and then watch it some more. Okay, we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a smooth jam. All right, welcome okay. back to the hits. Okay. Light 87.2. Acoustic yeah. <laughs> after dark. <laughs> oh, we're after dark, all right. Yeah, we're after dark, all right. Um, 1992's Basic Instinct. <laughs> Just got done watching it. Adam. Yeah. How you feeling, bud? Really, really good. Good. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. The movie's fucking great. That was fantastic. And I'm not, I'm going to jump the gun. My favorite of the month so far. That's. It was a hoot. It is. It's such a romp. The... <laughs> um, yeah. The, the twists and turns of this story. So good. And even when you kind of know, you still don't know. And even at the end, I'm still not 100% sure what happened. And I really like that. Adam I'm, just perked up just a little bit right there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm hooked. That was really good. That was a lot of fun. Nice. I, I'm stoked you loved it. Yeah, that yeah. was great. What about you guys? How was Because, Johnny, you had seen it more recently than Bridget. And you said you've seen it a few times. How was this for you? Oh, yeah. It's, it's great. The music is incredible. Oh, oh, such a good soundtrack. My God. So moody haunting. and hazy and steamy and... 
I yeah, the, the music's great. It just it's got a great mood to it and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's almost constantly going on the music. Yeah, it's 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 great. The acting is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The story's great. At least the twists are excellent. Uh, there's room for interpretation. We'll get into that. Bridget, I'm sure you feel. I feel great. Yeah, it's. I've just yeah. The characters are great. <laughs> I know. My God. Uh, I just want to wear a cream dress and a cream jacket and make men do shit. <laughs> like that's how this movie makes me feel. Just like a power boss. Yeah. Like the just. Oh my God. And just costume corner again. At like the nineties platinum, like almost a banana blonde hair with the dark brow and the brown lip. This min. Sharon Stone looks so good in this movie. Yeah. No argument there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, no breaths taken. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh huh. Yeah. This movie is something for everyone. It is. Question yeah. Adam, knowing that Michael Douglas is your mom's favorite, <laughs> would you watch yeah, this really? movie with your mother? Absolutely, absolutely not. Uh, she listens to this show. I hope it's not this show. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to get into it. Um, yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I would not know. They're like, we can put on the American president again. Anything but this. You know, I've ne- never seen Romancing the Stone. Why don't we start there? Yeah. <laughs> it's oh a God. better choice. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'll take Kathleen Turner when watching with mom. <laughs> <laughs> so much flesh. So, oh, yeah. We joked about it at the beginning, and I, like, there were parts of this movie that I was just on the couch like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm watching this <laughs> right now. Um, it's salacious. Mm-hmm. It's salacious. It definitely moves. Again, I will admit, like, Skinamax Day, softcore porn, back, like, it moves at those beats where it's like, okay, we're due for some flesh. Like, it's yeah. been 22 minutes or 18, whatever. It's, yeah. we need something yeah i know i i joked about softcore september but my goodness yeah oh yeah this went even farther than i thought in terms of the salaciousness yeah where i thought okay i know about the interrogation scene i know we're gonna get at the very least that i'm assuming a sex scene here or there but like every single time they're at her house it's something's going on (laughs) right and then sometimes when they're at his house something's going on like anytime they're not at the police station or Oh, it's, it's, it's like it's like home or visitors. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they're not if they're not the the police station or a crime scene, someone's fucking something. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's not. It. I mean, I was gonna say it's not tasteful. It is kind of tasteful, but at the same time, it's way more over the top. You know, butts in the mirror on the ceiling and the whole thing than I thought. I thought there'd be a lot of shots like waist up and you know kissing or whatever like, like they do tasteful, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. like a. I just I love to have a sheet on me. Yeah. At, at all, all times, times yeah. during coitus. Yeah. Like a Titanic where it's like, yeah. "Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's a there's a hand on the window, but we're not seeing we're seeing it." Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're watching like the assembly cut of the movie, like the unrated, like the unrated yeah. unrated movie. Yeah, it's like this is what the guy who's on set for sex scenes has to like he's has to watch these dailies and be like, "Nope, like nope, not there. I can see that. Nope. Too close. Cut it." Like, right. I can see him being in the room being like, all right, we have to make sure this is a nice, concise, get the point across, but let's not show too much. And, right. They, they show everything but. <laughs> they really, 
Yeah, I mean, everyone's going down on each other in this movie. <laughs> the two times that they're going down, like, on each other, I was like, are, are they going to actually show this? Because this is not, this is not what I pictured. And I know Paul Verhoeven goes over the top sometimes, but like, mm, this is going to be a bridge too far, I think. Yeah. <laughs> For a Hollywood picture. Yeah, heads, faces are very, in very close proximity to other places on mm -hmm. the, the human body. Yeah. Um... Yes, he the guy who did Showgirls did this movie 100%. Yeah. Um, but that one at least is like, I get what that one is from the get-go, whereas like some of the You're other getting things, into that, yeah. Yeah, where this kind of feels divorced from, and like I think I've only seen Showgirls the once and probably not even all the way through because it's bad. Mm -hmm. But like, this doesn't feel anything like Robocop. This doesn't feel anything like Starship Troopers. This is like a wholly different movie yeah. than what I know of the Paul Verhoeven movies I've seen multiple times. But, whew. yeah, <laughs> the vi the violence pretty gratuitous too. Yeah, we yeah. we only really get the one, and but it's right off the top. Yeah, it's, I was taken aback by it. I figured okay, there was an audible. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, yeah, because <laughs> I knew we were going to start with a murder. Okay, we're starting with a murder. It's a new yeah, yeah. You got to start with a murder or. You got to start with some kind of setup for a murder taking place later. Uh, and when it started with fucking bad, I was like, okay, this is where the murder is going to be. And they come down with the ice pick and I'm like, okay, we're going to get just a normal like chest step. No, 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 no. Neck multiple times. His eyes do this weird, crazy thing. It felt very much like the boardroom scene in RoboCop of like, oh, we're going to a hundred and then right. we're going past that to do this. It's set up perfectly what I was to expect. It's great. For the rest of the movie from an over-the-top standpoint, not necessarily from a violent standpoint because it's really the yeah. most violent. There's it a couple is. other violent things, but like, that's the most. But there's very few movies that earn their R rating so quickly. Oh, yeah. And so viscerally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the flesh, the violence, all of it, yeah. I can't believe this is only R. Yeah. It, it was... It certainly went through some it, passes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I believe Verhoeven, when he was starting to develop the movie, explicitly did, like, illustrations of what the sex scenes were going to look like. Just so no one could it, say, yeah. he storyboarded it, like, I don't want anyone to be surprised by where mouths and nipples and hands are going to be mm -hmm. explicitly placed in the shot. Yeah, like, we're I don't not, wanna, we're, we're I, not cheating anything. Right <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you right now, this is what you're going to see. But I do think it did get an NC-17 at one point. That makes sense. Yeah. But they were the fact that they shaved it down and we still get what got you get. Yeah. Yeah. There must have been a lot of begging and pleading. I was like, please, come on, guys. It's not that bad. <laughs> I've done worse. You guys saw RoboCop? There's way more blood than that. It's <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, way, way more over the top in terms of the... Because even talking in the beforehand and knowing that this is, uh, like, a psychosexual thriller and, like, kind of part of that genre, even those, I feel like, don't go this far. Right. And so it was really... Every time there was another pretty gratuitous sex scene, I was like, oh, shit, another one? Oh, crap, another one? Damn, we're doing this again? Wow. All right, yeah. here we go. In for the penny, in for the pound, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. But yeah, so I mean, like right from the beginning, we we get that crazy scene, mm -hmm. and then we sort of get the introductions to Michael Douglas's uh, Kearns or his Nick, first Nicky, Nick, Nicky, Nicky Shooter, whatever, yeah, Shooter, all of them. Yeah. What do you think of him right off the bat? 
He was good. He, and this, I think, maybe what you were kind of hinting towards of some of the things that I've been looking for in a noir. This is the down on his luck. He's one thing away from from being kicked off the one force. One coke line away. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He is one screw up away from throwing everything away and absolutely losing his life, which is what I thought maybe Jack Nicholson could have been in Chinatown last week. Where, But he was like an amazing detective and he had no problems. This guy is... He's just come off the disciplinary hearing. He's still kind of got to go see the shrink. He's, you know, he's doing all this stuff. He's drinking. He's coked he's up. He's emotional, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's flying off the handle and everything. He is one screw-up away. And, of course, his he's one screw-up away, and he meets the most diabolical, manipulative, stone-cold person that he's ever come across at the same time. So it's like the perfect storm of, is this guy totally fucked or what so i love the characterization it's the exact kind of character i had been wanting all month so i was glad that we got it here at the end to have that guy who's he needs this case to break his way because if it doesn't he's out of here and everything along the way is putting him closer and closer to being out of here until it kind of wraps he needs up a redemption him. yeah yeah exactly so you're you're rooting for him to get it right because you're like i don't want this guy to be destitute and on the street but also you want him because he's the law enforcement in the situation you want him to catch the killer so it gives you all of the reasons to root for him even if some of his actions along the way are less than on the up and up which you'd expect from a guy like this who's had one too many chances yeah so yeah, you, i liked it what do you think about like the dynamic of like the the department the guys they all seem to have their own sort of like characteristics uh i mean obviously gus is like such a what a hero oh he's a he's a real one yeah that dude's great i love the scene where he's drunk at the bar the cowboy bar where he's just like i'm just a city cowboy just trying to make a living like yeah you are dude good for you you get it every time he left from that moment on i was like oh he's gonna die like every time he left screen i'm like oh he's gonna die right yeah Mm -hmm. it's gonna be so sad when he dies because he's definitely dying and i don't want that to happen But no, he was great. I love the interdepartmental stuff. You know, we get the typical cop drama of like, you're a loose cannon or, you know, fuck you. Uh, we have this banter and I hate you kind of thing. Like it it had that good fun. That locker room type of shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Interpersonal play. Uh, especially with including a guy who has got internal affairs up his ass all day. He's just now back. He's kind of on thin ice. Everybody call it like some of the guys call him shooter, but derogatorily. The captain doesn't necessarily buy it when they go to the first crime scene. I think it's the lieutenant's like, keep your three o'clock, like, keep seeing the shrink because you're you're not well 100% right. yet. So I liked all of the the departmental stuff, uh, which what which is another thing that in context makes the interrogation scene so much better than just seeing it because it's a thing to see. Because... I watched though I you know when I seen it before you get nothing of the background or the context it's just she's on she's under investigation for a murder you don't know the circumstances of it you don't know the background that we know in the movie and some of the reactions while funny mean more in context because they were these big tough cops a minute ago and now Wayne Knight's drooling over himself with his chin on the floor because he just saw a hint of you know the between the legs area yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I loved all of that stuff right from the get-go. I was I was on this movie's wavelength pretty much from the beginning. <laughs> it's, it's it's hard to shake. I mean, it's 
Yeah, it gets under it gets under your skin, but uh, I think the introduction to Catherine is so good. Like, hmm. it's just the way it's shot, and like her, like her eyes in this movie, like just do so much acting. It's it's so good. They're piercing. It, they're so piercing. Sharper it's, than the ice pick. It's <laughs> so icy. So icy. <sighs> but yeah, the, the, her introduction just gives you everything you need to know about her, which is she's smart. She's not putting up with anything, and she can talk her way out of any situation because she's smart, but also because she's beautiful. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, like, immediately you don't trust her, but you kind of do because she's saying all of the right things. Like, in the interrogation scene where she's talking about the thing all the cops suspected, which is she's going to use the book as an alibi. It's the perfect alibi. Why would you write a book and then commit the murder from the book? That's the dumbest thing ever. Everyone would know or at least look at you. And most people wouldn't want to be under that scrutiny, but she pulls it off amazingly. Right. No, she weaponizes her sex appeal for sure. Oh, absolutely. But, but, but on top of that, she wouldn't get as far as she does if she wasn't as smart as she was. Yeah. Because she knows that that's just one of the tools in her arsenal. Right. So her brains are a tool. Her body's a tool as well. And her, like mouth is a tool to the extent that like <laughs> she has a sharp wig here. Mine out of the gutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still so deep in that gutter. Dude, the movie just can't help but drag you down there. Yeah, um, It's a noir. It lives in the gutter. It, yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah, there's an element of kind of like 4D chess of you know, she's saying the right things and she's also, she's not trying to make herself sympathetic either. She's antagonistic at certain points. Oh yeah. We were not dating. I was I was sleeping with this person. I was yeah. fucking them. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to play this soft, like... Semantics. Yeah. 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 Just like, no. Yeah, because she knows that, like, you're going you're gonna to look at me because the guy I was fucking died. Like, of course you're going to come to me. I'm, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm bent out of shape if I'm not because we were just, we were fucking and he was yeah, a good yeah. fuck and I don't want to... You're going to miss him? I yeah, like I fucking him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to pretend otherwise. So, yeah, the fact that she, like, makes no bones about it is just like, what do you want? Get the fuck out of my face. Like, you're all idiots. What are you doing? Yeah. Right. She's, like, constantly implicating herself, too, like, on purpose. Well, yeah, because it yeah. doesn't really it doesn't really matter because she knows that they only know what she tells them. Right. Much in the same way last week with Chinatown where, you know, the woman only was letting on what she wanted um, Jake to know. Same thing here. She even says it at one point. She's like, I don't confess anything. I just tell you what I want you to know when I want you to know it. So don't even worry about it. You're going to find out only what I let you. Right. And you're playing right into my hands. Because of course you are. I'm 50 steps ahead of you. <laughs> now, I'm sure it's pretty obvious that these two are going to get like pretty heavily involved. Did you did you pick it up right away? Is it just because you've seen the poster that like that's just going to happen? Or... No, I mean, it was the, the sexual tension yeah. was there, for sure. And again, he's a guy who, grossly enough, just went into his therapist's office not long before they start everything up, talking about how he has calluses from being by himself. Right. Uh, so I know that he's in need of yeah. some companionship, if you will. Uh, and she's, of course, going to... Companion companion him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, because, of course, she is. It makes the perfect sense. Yeah. And she's writing her book and she's doing this whole thing. Like she's doing this thing that she's done a million times theoretically before and weaponizing, like you said, her sexuality. Of course they were going to. Right. The extent to which they did, bravo for the both of them. 
Yeah. Now, as far as, like, the therapist, there was no flags there in the beginning. Nothing that you suspected. No. The therapist was... Beth. Yeah, Beth was somebody that, throughout the course of it... And the movie kind of kind of guides you in certain directions. So, like, from my thought process... Okay, the woman at the very beginning that does the murdering, that does the stabbing. Don't see her face. They do a really good job hiding her face. Um, I think it's because everything else is on display. You're not meant to look at her face, but they do a good good enough job hiding it so you don't really know. Right. Throughout the movie, I was kind of suspecting Roxy. I was kind of suspecting, uh, obviously, Catherine. Yeah. You know, that they were somehow in on it together. They looked close enough when you first see them separate where I was like, Maybe they're the same person. You know, she's got a bunch of, like, Ferraris or Porsches out there. I bet she dressed faster than his Pontiac. Like, maybe they're the same. Maybe they're the same person. Maybe it's a split personality thing. Like, you know, you immediately go to the craziest places. Um, so I thought maybe they were the same and they did it together, so to speak. Right. Then when they were just friends, and they were both in the same place at the same time. And I'm like, okay, well, they're not the same person. There goes that theory. I still was on to them. It's like, all right, well, they did it. They did it together. And it wasn't until he finds out that Catherine knew about his wife committing suicide. And at that point, I was like, I was on to Beth doing something. I thought we were going to get they were all in it together kind of situation. However, that would have played out. I didn't think Beth acted alone. I still don't really know if Beth acted at all. (laughs) But I was kind of on to her only from that standpoint once he found out that Catherine knew about the wife. Right, right. But other than that, and even then, I still wasn't convinced that she was involved or any way. And like I said, still not convinced she's involved now. So, yeah, I mean, we can talk about that if you want. I mean, we kind of just wrap that up pretty quickly, yeah. but yeah. and we can sprinkle on some of the other stuff. But yeah, so the way that I've seen it plenty of times is that, like, for me, it's like Catherine is the one who does it. But I've seen it a few times and reading up about it and actually reading about the screenplay itself Mm -hmm. the way they do it at the end they it they have that last scene where it looks like she's reaching for something Mm -hmm. talking with the kids or whatever and then she comes back and they just start making out and Mm -hmm. it fades away then it fades back open and you see the ice pick on the floor yeah so it's supposed to be like a choose your own adventure type of thing like what ending do you want Oh. Yeah, so like you if you would you rather just have the movie just end right there than just believe in your head that Beth was the one who did it and Catherine had nothing to do with it. Or the second ending is like maybe the ending that a lot of people like is that Catherine was the one who was doing it all along. Because hmm. too, you gotta think, because there's plenty of things that push it towards Catherine's as far as like, oh, you gotta fix that thing to get it fix your door lock. Remember Beth's door is constantly like fucked up. Yeah. So like Someone's breaking into her place, like having yeah, access, maybe in there. putting stuff around or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's enough on each side for you to decide however you want the film to be. And that's why you have people who say it is Catherine, it's not Catherine. Yeah, so when they're going through and tying up the Catherine ends of things, so you have the, the murder at the end where Gus gets killed and then uh, Beth gets killed and they find the police jacket in the stairwell right they find the wig in the stairwell they find the all the pictures and newspaper clippings and magazine clippings at beth's house in the drawer they find the gun they find like it all starts coming together and they're tying up all the loose ends and in my mind in a grizzled detective voice i hear it's too clean it's just yeah. too damn clean <laughs> right 
does it doesn't smell right to me. Because yeah. <laughs> it is. It's too it's too convenient. It's too perfect, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, why wasn't Beth forward about all of this? I get the sleeping part, because you don't want to out yourself as having a college lesbian relationship in the early 90s in a police department. I get that part of it. But you'd think at least if she confided and loved Nick as much as she says, it's her dying words, that she would have been like, listen, Nick, I'm going to pull you aside. Listen, me and this Catherine girl, we hooked up in college. Things got weird. She glommed onto me. All of this other stuff. Fine. Here's like, I'm telling you now so I don't look suspicious later when this will definitely come out. So the fact that she hid that is weird. The fact that she had a girlfriend when she said, I only dated women back when she was married to the guy who got shot, also weird. My mind says they were in on it together. And they, the two to three of them were all in on it together. And it just didn't go their way. And then in the end, she's like too hung up on Nick to like go through with it. Or it looks too messy now if he dies too. Like there's only yeah. one person it could be. And I think they're even at her house when they're having sex that last time. So obviously he can't die in her house because what's that going to look like? So in my brain still, I think, I think it was, I don't think either one of them acted alone. I think it's all Catherine. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I... and maybe that's the, like the <laughs> Occam's razor of it all of like, of course it is. We told you the whole time it was, why do you think there's any ambiguity here? You idiot. Yeah. Well, yeah. cause I think that's the whole you're watching you know, Nick unravel and slowly become digmatized, if you will, of mm-hmm. just like pulled in, sucked in, willing to sort of believe just because he's under a sexual spell. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you think when Catherine is breaking down a couple of times in the movie where she's generally showing emotion, do you think that's genuine or do you think no. like the remorse she feels for, you know, Roxy dying or... Uh, even later on with the last scene right before she goes make love to me or whatever again for the last time no yeah i don't that's the thing i don't buy any of her anything really yeah but i also think that beth wasn't 100 percent innocent either that's why i kind of think they're they're in it together it just seems too damn convenient that it was the one person that it was the whole time and who knows maybe i'm dictatized by watching it who knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> It, that powerful a stuff. So well. does that last shot, if like you say you take that last shot out of the ice pick and it just ends where there's no ice pick, how does the movie end for you then? Do you still same, feel the same way? Same. Yeah, because I don't... The the Beth doing it all by herself, is it's too clean. It's too easy. It's, and it's a thing that makes everybody believe it. Again, if she's this mastermind killer, why is she wearing an SFPD jacket to the murder in her own size. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the same thing of like, why would you write the book with the murder and then commit the murder the same way as the book? Like, it's too, it's too stupid for (laughs) a killer who theoretically is smart. Like, I have to assume Beth going to college, you know, being a psychology person and like knowing the ins and outs here, she's too smart for that. So it's not, I don't think that would have been her deal. But also, it's possible because she lied about some other things that maybe she's in on it and the whole... There's too many questions. Now, did they... Now, I may have missed it, but did they mention who called her to tell her to go to that building no, they in said, Oakland? They said there was no message. The tape was clean. 
at her office and at the house. Now, granted, the house tape machine easily could have been switched. Anybody could have a blank, never used mini cassette tape. Right. That part's easy. And, but, and she didn't say where she got the message. She just said, I got a message from Gus to meet him here. Now, I can't imagine Gus giving her the message. And I also can't believe that Catherine does a really dynamite Gus impression. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, like, why was she there? If for no other reason than they were in it together and the hope was that Nick doesn't pull the trigger and shoot her because it's Beth. Come on, it's Beth. Right. And she's not armed because she's not going to be the one to kill him. And then when he pulls the trigger, that's when the plan is now out the window. Who knows what the hell's going on? Because I also don't know, and I'm in full conspiracy mode for the rest of this. Yeah, I know you are. Um, but like, I don't know what happened to Nick and Beth before. I don't know how their relationship ended. We just know it ended. They loved each other. They miss each other. They still want to fuck sometimes. What happened? Was it just that he was boozing and coking and shooting people? Or was it that he cut it out? You know, it wasn't, he stopped the, was she the mistress while he was married? That's enough of a motive for me to at least suspect her. You right. Know? I think he just kind of cut out like all vices or whatever. I mean, sex is a vice for him. Like, yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's a, it's an unknown variable of was he fucking Beth post his wife's suicide? Was it during the marriage? Was it before the marriage? Like, where did it happen? Right. Because he also didn't know that she was married. So she's hiding things too. It's one of those, like, if I maybe knew that, I could be like, oh, it was amicable, no big deal. They shut it down. It's fine. No hard feelings here. But, like, Beth could have been harboring resentment and went to her friend who she knows maybe did some murders before. Or maybe they've been friends the whole time. Maybe Catherine was the girlfriend that Beth had when she was married. Should have called it convoluted instinct. <laughs> <laughs> Anything but basic. I tell you yeah. That. But, no, so I think that's kind of where my, my mind is okay. right now is that... They were in on it together until the plan blew up in their face. And at that point, then it became Catherine alone to go, shit, do we, do we kill Nick because that was the plan? Or has he dignitized me? And now I don't want to. Or it's too, it's too messy you, now. Do you I think can't. she procured all that shit well ahead of time? So if she, this does fuck up, that she has like her alibi or she can just throw all that shit in her drawers, the clippings, all that other stuff? Oh, yeah. Because, again, Catherine's smart. So it's one of those things of like, even if they did it together, which is where my brain still says it happened, she, of course, is going to be smart enough to know, well, if if Beth tries to double cross me, I've got the ability to double cross her. So it's they're both smart enough to where they could pull off having the double cross ready in case of emergency, the emergency being they someone gets too close to the truth. And Nick killing Beth gets way too close to the truth or just gives her a complete way out of like, cool, I've got my my alibi and I'm just going to push this all on her. I'm going to put my copies of my books there. Done deal. No problems. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I'd 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 like to say it's Catherine the entire time. But but yeah, I mean, there's just there's this stuff. There's, there's stuff either way. <laughs> too, it's too clean. <laughs> too clean. There's too, there's too many angles. I don't know. I mean, I believe I would believe no matter what. Yeah. Like, if if Paul Verhoeven came out and was like, no, it's Catherine. You're silly for thinking anything else. I wanted you to think other things. But it, it's Catherine. It's right in front of your face. Like, you're right. It is. Yeah. My, I got carried away. You know? <laughs> I got carried away. 
Yeah. At least, at least from what I've read with the screenplay, that's what they will have, like, with those two endings, that's what they wanted you to sort of, like, you can decide if you'd rather, if it's if it's a better ending for you to end like that, or to pan down the ice pick to be like, okay, it's, it's 100% Catherine. See, I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. How do you have two endings and then say, pick your favorite? You know what I mean? Like, that seems weird. Well, because they could have just faded out and then just the credits, and then they're like, you know, let's just really fuck with them. Be like, like okay, if all the people who thought it was bad the entire time, let's just... Because f- there are camps of people. It's not just one or the other. Is anybody in my camp? Am I alone in this? I haven't read that far into it. People think it's like all the three of them together. What does Google say when you say, who is killer in Basic Instinct? Mm. Right from the jump, it gives us Catherine Trammell. But... Yeah. Tremel's Victims and Basic Instinct. This is according to Wikipedia. Okay. Deaths prior to Basic Instinct. Her parents. Yeah. Noah, Which I think she did. Yeah. Noah Goldstein. Uh, I think that could have been the start of her and uh, Beth together. So or you think, Lisa. You, so you think like Beth did it and then like, oh, we're killers. Let's get together and start killing more people. Um, He was her advisor freshman year and... College counselor, yep. Yeah. Oh, no, they weren't roommates. For, I was thinking they were roommates freshman year, but that was the girl who died of leukemia a couple years before, so mm-hmm. never mind. Uh, Joseph Garner, Elizabeth Garner's husband. Okay. Again, could have been both of them together. Yeah. Shot during a drive-by shooting to get back at Elizabeth. Johnny Boz. This is just during Basic Instinct. Okay. Roxy. Yeah. There's an, an editor's note. This may not be part of Catherine's plan, and even if it were... Nick is as likely an intended victim of it as Roxy. Meaning what? That, like, she expected Roxy to get jealous and then she, try to kill Nick? And I think would she, yeah. Die in the crossfire, I guess? Kill or, Nick or or something else. That's what makes me think she's genuinely upset that Roxy's dead when she's at the shore. Because, like, it was not planned whatsoever. That True. might be the only, but she also could be a sociopath and doesn't feel empathy for anybody. So I don't necessarily... It is, it is, because it is the first time we see stark contrast in emotions. Before, it's, it's this constant, like... It's the one time she breaks down. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time that I actually kind of was like, oh, okay, maybe she's not a sociopath. Because look, she looks actually upset about Roxy. Right. So that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, again, she could be a sociopath and feel no emotions whatsoever. And it was all put on, because she's smart and she knows that... All she has to do is sit at the window, and then when Nick walks in, waterworks. Right. And again, we rarely ever... I don't think we ever see just her. It's always what Nick is in camera, too. So we're always seeing what Nick is seeing. Yes. So we're never seeing... like So she's always putting on an act in front of Nick. Well, not necessarily. We don't know that she knows Nick is at um, the old lady's house. The one who murdered her family. I uh, think what... he, we do know, because she's... That's why she's... Like, when they're on the highway, she's taking him on this death run. She yeah, knows she's she, being followed. But I think she lo- but then she loses him. So it's very possible that she would have just been like, "He, I lost him, he's gone, I don't see him. But again, she could have known, so who knows? Yeah. But I'm saying there's never a scene where it's just Catherine, like, in a room. Correct. It's Nick is always in the scene yes. with her. Yeah, it's always from his point of view. Correct. Even whether or not she knows he's there is another story. But yeah, you're right. He is always yeah. there. I mean, if you if you take it, then I guess really the only scene would be in the beginning. Like, if that's either her or Beth of the Wig. Yes. That's really the only other scene without Nick. Correct. This movie is sublime because yeah. it is so ludicrous. It's the perfect mixture, mixture of something <laughs> very serious. Like, the scene that sums it up is at the 
the scene of the accident when Roxy's driven her car off the bridge, and Nick's being interrogated by the captain, and he's realizing, you knew, you son of a bitch, like a very serious scene. As in the background of the shot, Roxy's body in a stretcher is being ziplined up the mountain, like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like like coal out of a mine or something. Both exist like yin and yang in the moment, and both are... Chef's kiss. Yeah. So good. I forgot about the (laughs) ziplining. Yeah, I, I don't know. They seem like there was a lot of ramps and stairs. I don't know why they didn't just take that body out like yeah. normal. But like as we're talking about, like there's all these different. Was it Nick in a wig? Like you're yeah. just you're all you. Yeah. Sometimes you're, a movie will gently take you by the hand and get you on its wavelength. This movie is like getting carjacked. Yeah. And kidnapped. Right from the beginning. Yeah. 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 It's like someone steals the cab you're in. exactly (laughs) it's like all right it was kind of a roller coaster before because i mean cabs uh, but this is another level and by the end you're like i think i will marry this person and live happily ever after yeah i mean forget the rugrats yeah yeah Yeah. the car chases are great in this too the car scenes are fantastic and it kind of gives you that old style vibe of weaving all over because we can only really do this on a quarter mile stretch of road. So we just have to weave all over the place. So it makes it look like we're going a really far distance. Right. Um, but the weaving in and out of the bends, which my God, dude, I mean, be nervous to, watching. You're asking to get killed. Yeah. When the truck comes around, he slams on the brakes. I'm like, Oh, he's going off the cliff. I don't know how he's going to survive this, but he's going off the cliff. <laughs> so I was very surprised yeah. when he didn't go off the cliff, uh, and continued to drive recklessly like a fucking maniac. Yeah, the guy who lends this, I think his name is John DeBond, he's like a French guy or a French-Canadian. Uh, he lends, like, a Die Hard, a bunch of action movies in the 80s. Then he went on to his directorial uh, debut with Speed. And then he did Twister, and he's done a few other things beyond that. But yeah, definitely like an action director. Yeah. But you can tell when that kicked in, he's like, all right, now yeah. I can start playing around. Yes. Well, I'm sure you didn't complain about the sex, shooting the sex scenes, but... Yeah, I liked the, the game of chicken. Oh, right, yeah. Him driving up the stairs to get around Dude, that, that Mustang got beat throughout this movie. <laughs> I know, I was like, dude, if you're going to do that, do that in the uh, the cop issue, like, brown Cadillac or whatever. Don't do that in your car. Right. Yeah. Well, I think they took it. They took that car away from him. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Give me your Lincoln. badge and your gun and the Lincoln. Yeah. The, to the Lincoln. The one thing I wish we got was a give me your badge and your gun. We got, like, you're on leave. It doesn't have the same oomph. As I want your badge and your gun, and I like plop it down on the desk. Like I wanted one yeah, of those, yeah. but nitpick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we got a pizza on pizza instead. Yeah, oh. did get it. Was that the only product placement? No, we also get a product placement for Pepsi when Catherine oh. asks for Coke, and he's like, "No, but I got a Pepsi in the fridge." It's not really the same thing. I love it? that conversation. Well, I mean, you're calling out a specific product that this cool, yeah. awesome, yeah. sexy <laughs> cop has in his fridge. <laughs> yes. It's like a man with that butt, I'll drink whatever soft drink he wants. Yeah. <laughs> it's what corporate America was hoping the women the world over would say in the planning yeah. meeting. Like, we'll give him pizza, we'll give him Pepsi. And I want to see Michael Douglas's butt but. do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the interrogation scene is obviously infamous for, for, uh, for what it is. Yeah. But just watching those guys melt in front of, like... Like, Newman's character just starts sweating. Like, he's just, like, licking his lips. Like, not even sure how to, like... His jaw is three floors down. Yeah. (laughs) So, apparently, when Steven Spielberg saw this, he looked at... What's the actor's name? Wayne... 
Wayne Knight? Wayne Knight. Oh, because they would have been working on Jurassic Park when this came out. He was Wayne Knight was casted because Spielberg saw Basic Instinct. He said, I want that man. And Wayne Knight <laughs> was the first person casted in Jurassic Park. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, I need him. He was and good. just imagine the rest of the film blossomed out of it. Yeah. That's so crazy. <laughs> Scared of dinosaurs and vulvas, so. so yeah, <laughs> just every, all of it. Pretend the Dilophosaur is that girl's crotch. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I need fear on your face. I want to beads of sweat just All of the sweat. pouring down. It'll be raining, so you won't necessarily see it, but emotionally, emotion. I want the forehead sweat yeah. that you have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the interrogation scene is great. I don't know what that room is. It's the weirdest room I've ever seen. It looks like a shooting range, but like... It looks like a shooting range. It looks like a, like a nut house padded room. Like it's a great. It's a great set. I, oh, absolutely! Yeah. And it's dark. Yeah, it's dark and it's shadowy, and it so much of this. And you made this point on the pre-show. It feels like a love letter to Noir because so where last week's was all during the daytime, all brightly lit. Even the nighttime scenes don't feel dreary. Every single nighttime scene in this is dingy and dirty and shadowy yeah. and just lit perfectly. I love all the scenes where they're in an apartment at night, and there's just the dim light, like a lamp in the yeah, corner. Yeah, the Venetian blinds got the stuff going oh, on. The, yeah, the shadows on the wall are great. The, just, zo- the Zumba class at the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah the jazzer size. <laughs> uh, yeah, the whole thing, like all of the. Even though it's set in the '90s, this feels like it's in the '40s because of all those shadow, the shadow work. Yeah, which is something that we didn't get last week, and why I said. And the time, it didn't really feel like it could be a noir. This could be. This right. is set. This isn't set in the noir period, but like my goodness, 1991's noir all day long. Right. And I think all four of the movies have done a great job of of like a sense of place of like in setting of where we are. Like when you see some of the things, it's like this is San Francisco. Yeah. Undeniably. The winding roads, the you know the the hills, the, 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 tra- the Trans America and... building, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You get a shot at the bridge because you have to. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, great stuff. And just the whole atmosphere around it. And it adds to that tension because you don't know. When you see something like this, you expect a murder. And you don't know who's going to get murdered at any time because basically everyone's on the docket. I didn't see the IA guy coming, though. I didn't see that murder coming. Didn't even think about it, him going after him. And I love the the parallel in in Nick's interrogation scene where he goes line for line of, were you going to arrest me for smoking? You're going to charge me with smoking? Oh, you know, and then the whole book thing. And when the guy's like, book thing? What are you talking about? He's like, inside joke, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so aggro. God, the church club is so Oh, sick. I'm so glad we, yeah. We was that talk. in a church? Yeah. Oh, I think a- I missed the that it was in a church. Yeah, well, because like, like, they put like wavy arches, lights on yeah. the arches and the... Stained glass windows were there. I like how the men's room is just another room of the club. Like, it's not yeah. being used as a bathroom at all. you have to pee. Yeah. Oh, no. No one pees at the nightclub. They're too coked up. That's true. There's no... <laughs> Nothing's working right. Too... <laughs> Close the door. Yeah, there's like a light floating around. It just... I love Roxy's um, slam dancing. With, back with, and forth. With... <laughs> just like... <laughs> Sharon Stone is like, sorry, I want Michael Douglas in his cashmere phoenix. Very appropriate for the 90s rave party. I can't believe no one said narc. 
like while he was walking <laughs> through there. Like, are you telling me everyone in that club was totally cool with that guy walking in here? Like, absolutely not. I would have been like, guys, it's a narc. She's a narc. Stop putting away your dress. It's a narc. <laughs> I mean, she basically did that. She like closed the door closed yeah. while they were doing coke. What a move. He was hooked from that moment on. Yeah. I mean, he was hooked already. Yeah. But that was we the... were all hooked. Yeah. Every, everyone seeing that is like, yeah, I'm going to sleep with her. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to dance. But like, even that scene, like her eyes, when she knows that, she, she, that he's there, it's like, ugh. <laughs> I can't even describe Deadly. what she's doing. Deadly. <laughs> One thing we haven't mentioned, like femme fatale, a thousand percent. Oh my God. Yes. This, yeah. This like is... when I was telling you, like stuff is in the background, noirish, this was in the foreground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, I think, the genesis of uh, movie genre the internet likes to call good for her. You know what I mean? Like of just, you know, she's evil and she's terrible, but you're captivated by her and you're Mm -hmm. sort of rooting for her sort of like in a gone girl way, depending on your perspective, I suppose. But there's an element to this movie that I think you're, it's almost a girl power rah rah kind of aspect Not to quite, it. Not quite, but it's something like that is really satisfying. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, I know. It's, I don't want to be like. It brings you to the. It brings you the yes, absolute queen, but yeah. yeah, it's it's fun to watch her do what she does so well. Oh, yeah, and it's I don't know. It's, just it's like the same thing for like like like. <laughs> When you're watching this movie, like when you're watching her, it's like almost like we're like, obviously watching like through Nick's eyes. But the the movie does such a good job of trying to vilify her, but also give her so much appeal, beauty, sex. It's like it's bringing you to the edge. Like I really want to f- like fucking hate this person, mm-hmm. but god damn it! Like she is so sexy, so beautiful. It's like, and she carries herself so well. That's the thing. It's like there are so many murderers in popular culture where you're like, I need this person to die the most horrible death. And here you're like, isn't she spunky? Yeah. Isn't yeah. she just the... Look at her misbehaving. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Well, okay, it... ice pick murders. <laughs> Who hasn't thought about an ice pick murder? I mean, come on. You do what you think, girl. You go. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, she just wanted to see if she could get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she definitely killed her parents, though. Oh, yeah. No, it's like when small animals know that a snake is coming to get them and they're just hypnotized. Mm-hmm. Take me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end. All the book covers are great. Like, what was the, the little boy with the the, the the first time or whatever? Yeah. My yeah. first time. Yep. Love hurts. The love hurts cover. My, that's such a good cover. Where it looks like it's just a red, just a red harp. Then you open the 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 jacket. I feel like a lot of like romantic novels, out. like that's a thing. Like they oh, always, it's like to have the it, insert. It looks like a regular, it's like a unicorn. And you open it up, it's like a unicorn on fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not the TriStar horse. Yeah. <laughs> TriStar Pegasus. God forbid it's the TriStar. <laughs> oh, very BC Andrews. Yeah. I would read Love Hurts. I bet it's so good. Do you think someone's like written a, is there a zine? Should we look? Do we is have to look for Etsy scene? to see if there's a, a zine version of it? But yeah, no, when, when they open that, they're thumbing through the book and they open the cover and the, the heart is cut out and the red that you thought was just the heart is the blood on the... The bedsheet from the murder that we see right. at the beginning of the of the movie. Great stuff. Gives you a little bit of little misery vibes as far as like the book and the like or like such a psycho fanatic mm. fan or whatever. Yeah. Assuming a fan did it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time we're trying to like, hmm, could it be this? I just that music comes in. It's like it could it be? Could it? Yeah, that was like we 
the credits were still rolling and you had gotten up. And I walked into the other room and my cat was sitting on the dining room table just staring at me. While that music is playing, I thought I was going to get killed. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought I was about to be murdered. It's, that's how good it is. Yeah. Like, she just pushes a little ice pick from behind. <laughs> <laughs> She's like... Or just, like, opens up the drawer a little bit. Yeah. Puts her paw out to, like, touch it. Yeah. Pulls it back. It's the most unbelievable part of that movie to me is that everyone in 1991 had an ice pick in their drawer. I don't know that I've ever seen an ice pick in a house ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm privileged, but I grew up with ice cube trays. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but do you like rough edges? I mean, yeah, but once you throw it in the drink, it all gets smoothed out pretty instantly, so it really doesn't matter. But I did think it was funny that literally everybody had an ice pick. Yeah. Yeah, again, I can't speak to it. It might have been... Yeah. Trays were coming around. Yeah, I well, because he goes and buys one, right? Isn't there a reference to him buying one? Yeah, they're all talking about going to buy one at Kmart all the yeah. time. Well, he said how much it costs. He mm-hmm. was just like, yeah, you know, dollar eighty-five at Kmart. More product placement, I guess. I guess yeah. Kmart. No, that we were, we were Cuban ice. Yeah, back in ninety-two. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. We were Cuban ice. <laughs> Maybe that's like a city thing. You know, you live yeah. in the city. You know, got an ice pack. Yeah. It could be a rough yeah. neighborhood. Your doors don't lock quite right. You have it on hand just in case. Who knows? So favorite characters. All of them? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a uh, I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch. Maybe Roxy, I guess, is the one. She of doesn't them. really have a lot to do. Yeah, she's so she's only there to be jealous for and to watch. Yeah, for thirty and to watch, yeah, for like thirty <laughs> seconds or whatever. Though very creepy when she shows up in the bathroom and it's like, if you see her again, I'll fucking kill you. And he's like, Will you watch him? Well you like to watch, don't you? Like yeah. even his his turn to be more like Catherine, Nick's turn, like to be more like Catherine of kind of going along for that and kind of the character shift of it, starting when he goes and sees Beth and gets very, very handsy. Um, yeah. Watching well, his character shift, too, is great. He does both so well of, like, the cool, suave cop, but then also, like, the firecracker that he needs to be, to the angry guy, to the kind of playing along. They're both kind of admitting that they're playing the game. Like, I think they're walking on the beach at one point. And that's when she's saying, like, you're only going to find out what I want you to know. And he's like, yeah, but I'm going to, I'm going to catch you. He just gains so much confidence. Yeah. Like, yeah. the minute he sleeps with her, it. it's yeah. like, it's like Teen Wolf or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not that he's had confidence before, but I mean, like, it, the minute he knows that he has, like, some sort of power over Catherine in some little bit away, yeah. he feels like he's on top of the world. Yeah, even if it's artificial, because she's yeah. allowing him to have it, it's still a big confidence boost. And it's something that he needed, because as we talked about, at the beginning of the movie, he's last straw, edge of his, you know, edge of his rope or whatever, whatever saying yeah. that you want to use. And he needs that to kind of get back into the saddle of potentially being a cop again. And he never really stops being a cop throughout this, because even during their flirtation, sexual escapades, he's still working the case, which is great. And you can see it in all of his words and mannerisms. So obviously him and Catherine are leaps and bounds the, the best, but I, I like all the cops. Wait, Knight's great. Gus is obviously great. He's just got a fun kind of sensibility to him. Their back and forth is great. They trust each other. The dynamic of, uh, what does he call him? He calls him like boss and cowboy and like all these. Hoss. Like, Hoss. Hoss. Call yeah. Hoss. Yeah, he calls him Hoss. You know, they've got their, their little nicknames for each other. It's, it's cool. And it was really sad when he was going to die, especially when I read it in the book. Yeah. That he was going to die beforehand. So... You know, that was for sure what I knew was going to I thought it was going to happen after he left drunk driving, which way to go, cop, after right. the diner. But 
He had a bowl of chili before he left. That's yeah. true. And some coffee. Yeah. While screaming out vagina. I love pussy. that scene at the bar where he shows up and he's just like, Nick is just eating peanuts, acting like a fucking, like he just had the fuck of the century, literally. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you god damn it, you fucked her. Yeah, oh no, her. you fucked her. Just... <laughs> Heads yeah, because when the scene yeah. started, that's when I started giggling. Like, here we go. I forgot about this scene. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. No, their their interplay, their dynamic was great. Yeah, I mean, everybody everybody involved was good. Beth's okay. She's not really given enough to do. She's she's brunette. Yeah. It's a blonde <laughs> world. Yeah, she's not having more fun. Um, has a lot of fun when the wig's on, if that is what happened. But the license wig. <laughs> oh my god, that. Because it's not even a wig. They literally take the same... It, I'm pretty sure it's the same license photo. And then oh, someone had, like, photoshopped just yeah. an yeah. early version. Like, literally cut... It's like Ace Ventura with the dog hair. It's like, I horn is Finkel? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that gave me a good chuckle. Here's another thing that makes me think Beth is not involved. When you look at their college photo, Beth is back to being a brunette. Yeah. The photo that's in the... Tr- the her secret Catherine drawer, her yeah. supposed when stalker drawer. The graduation drawer. photo you're talking about. Yeah, Beth looks very like mm. concerned. Yeah, she's gone back to brunette. Hmm. I guess it would depend. Cue on the when. music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hearing the music. <laughs> I know. I'll put it in here. The episode. Um, I guess it would depend on when the license photo was taken because they're both 1983. I don't remember what year it said the license photo came up. She could have taken the license photo after. She could have been brunette at the end of college and gone to blonde. It could have hooked up at a graduation party. Again, there's there's still not enough. And I think that's the point is that right. it's only leaving trickles. It's only telling me what it wants me to know when it wants me to know it. I think the movie's the murderer. I just figured it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess she could have been involved. She did go to blonde. She was also a redhead, so she, you know, she bounced around a little bit. So I don't, I don't know. The hair color's not dissuading me on this yet. I need more evidence. I want it on my desk by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd have to say this is your favorite of the bunch of the, the oh yeah of Noir November. Yes, just because I think the case was good, the the misdirects were good. I still don't quite know who done it, which is great. The noir aspects of it in terms of the the nighttime shadow yeah. stuff like the the gritty look and feel to it felt right you know and what i wanted the detective was the kind of detective i was looking for it hit so many of the boxes it didn't hit the the like that 40s twang but i did get a couple of lines that felt right out of a 1940s the one uh, at one point somebody says we're dealing with a top of the line looney tune here and i'm like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could hear that in a 40s accent. That one uh, hits right home. Granted, this one's a little bit more vulgar, but when he says that she's got that magna cum laude pussy and she's got butterflies on your dick or whatever, I was like, outside of the the vulgarity, that also kind of feels like it's right out of sure. like a 40s yeah, kind of movie. Yeah, hard-boiled. Yeah. Um, they would have said bosom or something. Yeah. <laughs> magna cum laude gams. Yeah, those gams. Um, oh, I love that Gus is, he's hard up on the, for, for women. And he's like, I could, I could, I could bag one of these blue haired ladies, but I don't like them. And the lady just goes, don't knock until you tried it. <laughs> <laughs> that 
kind of feels like it's right. Again, outside of the very overt sexuality to it, right. it does kind of feel like what I expect of a noir movie. So even the new style stuff that's included doesn't take away or distract you from the hardcore noir, noir stuff that's here. Gotcha. Uh, which is why I think it's my favorite, because it hit so many of those beats. And it's so over the top that it almost leans into that like parody of noir in my mind. While still staying grounded enough to be a really intense thriller. And so, I yeah, think, yeah. Plus, all the questions and the discussion of like the ambiguity of the ending just, you know, leaves me on a higher level than, say, something like last week where the ending left me really down. While Chinatown could be a better movie in many senses, which I, I would entertain that argument because I'm sure technically and all these other things. But the fact that the ending left me a little down meant that it, tainted not enough because again still like that movie but it tainted a little bit the overall picture whereas this that ambiguity ratches it up another notch where if it had just ended without the ice pick out of them like okay still kind of think they did it together still think it's too neat but okay and that other like the fact that they then show the ice pick has that conspiracy in my brain turning again and i'm like okay maybe i was right maybe there is a lot more going on here i like it i yeah. like it a lot so yeah, I do. I do think it's my favorite of the month so far. Nice. Well, it's the end of the month, so that's true. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do one next next year. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, not... there's plenty we yeah. missed. Yeah, we will not do Basic Instinct two though. No, I have no, not, I, yeah, I have yeah. not seen it. I heard it's complete trash. I don't need. I don't need it to be anything. I don't want it to be anything. I don't care. You're like this. I've already. I'm still riding the high of Basic Instinct. I don't want to think, think about yeah. it right now. Yeah, what's up? But it's the same reason why I never saw any of the Starship Trooper sequels or any of the RoboCop sequels. It's one of the, it's like Paul stops doing it. You're not capturing the magic yeah. that he has. He's got a very distinct brain for whatever he's putting and committing to film. That if you then try to make a sequel about it, like I even think there's a Showgirls too. Like just right. No, I don't. I I wanted. I want his vision because he's nailed it on the three things that right. I know that he's nailed it on, so to speak. Well, definitely check out like some like Brian De Palma's stuff from like mm-hmm. the '80s. Does like uh, Body Double, Body Heat. There's a whole bunch of that stuff. We'll definitely have to get into Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, people sort of they don't knock erotic thrillers, but it just there's they're not prevalent anymore, and it's not in conversation. No, I want to say the last one was probably like unfaithful the diane lane one that was like early 2000s and that kind of feels like the last of these really overt sexual thrillers where like your gone girls have some of that but it's more about the mystery like yeah you know there there's cheating and there's the sexual nature of it but it's not the same as something like this no gone girl is not like sleazy or anything like this is like pulpy this is very it's b movie-ish but it's dressed in like a movie Mm -hmm clothing yeah yeah when the caliber of cast is so good yeah just the filmmaking in general is just mm-hmm. top notch yeah but again it's just wild like this guy did starship troopers or yeah. it just it's, it's hard to sort of wrap your head around one thing that i don't think and maybe it's just because i was so wrapped up in what's in front of me but this was the first verhoeven movie that i've seen that didn't feel like it had a social commentary i don't know if i just missed it because i was so into the what's present as opposed to looking beneath the surface. Cause like we did RoboCop and it was all about kind of like corporate sleaze and 
that kind of, if we let corporations take over, it's going to be bad. And then obviously, Stars of Troopers is fascism and the whole thing. This doesn't feel like it has an undertone to it. Is that something that I miss? Yeah, no, I, I don't think it, it doesn't sort of talk about an underlying issue or anything like that. Something that's like in, like in, in social society, but it certainly sparks something with the inclusion of gay characters and lesbians and things like that. That wasn't really prevalent at all in a lot of films. And that was something that was some people were upset about. Some people applauded the fact that they did this in the movie. But it did get criticized for just the way it sort of, again, like vilified or made that sort of relationship toxic yeah. in yeah, a way. The, the the stereotype of, you know, this deceptive bisexual yeah. Yeah, murderer. Yeah. Um, there were actually, there were some gay rights organizations that protested at the premiere and like while the movie was filming it was a known property you know even before like yeah. it was announced and i mean know. that makes sense that people would hate it because while it is technically representation the bad guys are the representation no right like again some people yeah. are like oh like the filmmakers were like we're like what do you mean we included these people like yeah. people who have never been in movies but you didn't represent the properly yeah 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 and you know it's a pulpy crime. Correct. Yeah. yeah. This is not like whatever. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. And that's not the social commentary that mm-hmm. they're wanting to make. I'm sure because it's such a small part of it. But I just it was just weird to me that I was kind of expecting a little bit of that like subtext. And I don't I don't know if I just missed it or if it's not there. And it's fine that if it's not there. It, yeah. Send us your yeah. your master's thesis on yeah. the themes <laughs> and basic instinct, please. Yeah. Um. So. That was just something I noticed. It doesn't obviously take away because I'm still riding high. It was great. Right, but. right. How was it for you, like, second time around? Just Great. Yeah. It's great. It's so good. Oh, your poor French teacher. <laughs> right. <laughs> Madame, I'm sorry you went through that. With your mother. Not even your mother. Your mother-in-law. Oh, your mother-in-law. That's right. Your future mother-in-law. Honestly, no, it would probably be fine. I was thinking, I forgot that it was the mother-in-law. That You could probably get away with it. Like, it would still be awkward as hell on the car ride home yeah but at least you could be like michael douglas huh because you're not you're not related you know there's a there's at least that one degree <laughs> of separation <laughs> to where you could you know bond over the, all of the bond over bonds stuff you saw. <laughs> it'd be worse if it was her own mother i guess or maybe not who knows but still i don't think either is ideal no absolutely <laughs> no two of your friends on a wednesday night that's the ideal way to yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's um, it that's the perfect way although my mother-in-law is a friend of the pod and is probably listening to this episode and so if you're out there if you're hearing this if you want to i will watch basic instinct with you but <laughs> i would do that for you but just i know you probably don't want that <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah, a movie that's definitely not seen on regular cable tv like ever there's no way you can no it's a different movie. If you take out everything that makes Basic Instinct, Basic Instinct, it's a different movie. Like, yeah, you could yeah. have the interrogation scene, you just cut that one part. No one's talking, I don't think. Even if she is, what she's saying is inconsequential. You could cut it. You could cut some, you could cut around the sex scenes. You know, you could use those. She's the friend of the century. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, friend of the century definitely would be a thing that would be said. You could do it, and it would kind of work, but it's not the way you want to yeah, launch it. Yeah, we didn't have that moment like we did with Robocop of being like, is this edited a little bit? Because I felt like it was way gorier than that. Uh, we got this one right from the <laughs> beginning. Right from the beginning. 
I love it, like, just the opening, too, with the music, and it's, like, that, like, crystal geode thing, but you can tell there's, like, they, flesh on flesh, flesh going there's on. something happening. Yeah. It's Ambient like, light. It's like watching the, uh, the pay-per-view channels all scrambled. Yeah, spice. <laughs> it's just, like, it's the spice must flow. Basic. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> One line that I loved that uh, spoke to the cop dynamic that I really like is when they get to the first murder scene and they're like, he was a civic-minded, forward-thinking, retired rock and roll star. What's that over there on the uh, bedside table? And Nick looks at it and goes, I think it's civic-minded cocaine there, Lieutenant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the other line, which was, I think, part of Catherine's introduction and kind of speaks to her using her sexuality of someone being like, was there anyone else in the room there with you? And she's like, no, I wasn't really in the mood for that tonight. I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. Right. Yeah. So aggressive. Mm -hmm. So sexually aggressive. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah. Wild movie. Yeah. Absolutely wild. I, I would say, like, just and real quick, like, we talked about, like, the Iraq thriller, like, wild things, I think, you, you would throw yes. into there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that'll be part of Softcore September. Yeah. <laughs> or Flesh February. We'll figure that oh. out. Oh! We don't want to wait that long. For, yeah. Right in time for Valentine's Day. Ooh. Steamy. Steamy. <sighs> yeah, let us know. You want to see us do Flesh February or Softcore <laughs> September? September? Yeah. Michael Douglas March. Yeah, I think we've been kicked off Apple Podcasts. We've yeah. been kicked out of iTunes for this. <laughs> if we do Flesh February, we can segue right into Michael Douglas March. Really seamlessly. Yeah, perfect. we got the whole year mapped out. Just <laughs> nothing but smut and Michael Douglas. <laughs> With a dash of Planet of the Apes somewhere. Oh God. That's right. Ape, Ape April? Ape. Yeah. 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 It's Ape April? No, it's Planet of the Apes roll. Let's see, we go from humans having clothes to humans having no clothes monkeys. to humans being monkeys. <laughs> A little bit of Michael Douglas in the middle. Yeah. It's like watching 2001 Space Odyssey in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that wraps up Noir November, guys. It was a fun month. I'm glad we, uh, we did. Yeah. Me too. We picked a genre. I know. We... There's a plenty of stuff on the list, guys. We have a lot of good stuff to get to, but it's nice to stop and uh, pick a uh, theme, a genre, and we'll do a bunch more for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming up, we'll do some theme stuff. We got the uh, holidays. We'll get the holidays going up. Yep, around the corner. So stay tuned for that. Let us know some of your favorite holiday movies you want to see us cover. I mean, we did some last year, but we'll try to break the genre a little bit so not everything is a family-friendly, someone learns the meaning of the holiday-style movie. We might throw some other things in there, but we'll, uh, we'll see in the coming weeks. So make sure you're liked and subscribed to, uh, to hear more of that. But that will do it for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of Basic Instinct. Let us know who you think did it or who all of the people that may have contributed to it. Uh, let us know if you've seen the sequel. Is it bad? Is it the worst movie ever? Or is it just fine and it's kind of okay and you kind of like it for all the trashy reasons that we like this one? Uh, let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening.